Father and our God, indeed, Lord, that's our confession, that you are bigger than what people say. You are stronger than what people say. You are better than what people say. And so, Lord, we have come this evening to declare that you alone are God and there's none beside you. Father, we've come together this evening, oh God, to learn from you, oh God. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you open our hearts, oh God. Open our minds, O oh God, to learn from you, my Father, to hear your word, O oh Lord Almighty, and to be, Lord Almighty Father, cheerful doers of your word in the name of Jesus. That, Lord Almighty, you remove every form of distraction, O oh God, that you break down every mindset, O oh God, that does not align with the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. And at the end of it all, Father, your name will be glorified, O oh God, and our lives will be changed for the better. In the mighty name of Jesus. Honor, majesty, dominion we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Shall we all be seated? Good evening, everyone. Okay. You can see that pastor is not here. So I have the very, very big task of matching his teaching this evening. I'm sure the Holy Spirit will help me. Praise the Lord. Okay, in the last, um, what, seven weeks or so, we've been having some really exciting times. I, I consider them exciting um, because we've been considering a topic that most people will not look at. Uh, we are used to looking at the, all the good people in the Bible. But uh, since ours is a church unusual, a church with a difference, the areas that people will not go to, we will go there. Because we know that there's always something to learn, something fresh to garner from the word of God. Praise the Lord. We've been looking at biblical bad babes. Praise the Lord. And we've had seven of them. And um, before we go on to uh, who we'll be talking about today, another one of God's biblical bad babes, I want us to just do a recap, a gentle recap of what we have been looking at. First of all, we looked at Rahab. And I'll talk about the key learnings that we had from, from this. 
We said that for Rahab, that with God, it is not who you are or who you were that matters. It is who you are becoming. It's not where you have been. It's where you are going. That is what God is interested in. And then we went on. Uh, the second one we looked at was uh, Mrs. Lot and her daughters. And we said that with God, your focus is more important than your current direction. Your focus is more important than your current direction. That where your eyes are looking is more important than where your legs are going. So we talked about the focus there. And then we looked at the one that we all love to hate, Jezebel. And we said that the state of your heart determines the actions you take. Your decisions will show the state of your heart, whether it is good or evil. And then the fourth person we looked at was uh, Sapphira. Sapphira and, of course, her husband and others. But we said that no matter how deceitful a heart is, it cannot deceive the Holy Spirit. We all know the story of Sapphira and her husband. And every time you try to go against God, you will surely lose that was one major lesson. At least I learned that too. And then we looked at uh, Delilah, uh, who is uh, many things to many people. Some things she's um, delectable, some things she's uh, devilish. But we looked at Delilah and we said, you are, as, you are only as vulnerable as the secret you share. No one can destroy you without first uncovering your secret and using it against you. And then we considered the woman by the well. She didn't have a name. She was a Samaritan woman. I guess nobody cared to find out what her name is. But the lesson from that is that our deepest longings and thirsts can only be satisfied by the living waters that Christ can give. And then we went on to Mrs. Potiphar. Um, and we said that the sleekest lipstick in the world cannot conquer a determined, clean lips and a pure heart. We know this her story and her, um, her encounter with Joseph and how, how all that panned out. And then we talked about Potiphar being a general, too busy, probably did not pay enough attention to his wife. Um, that was last week. Very interesting comments from so many people. And thank you all for participating. There was so much to learn, um, not just for the women, but also for the men as well. Pay attention to your spouse. Very important. And this week, um, by God's grace, we are going to look at another biblical babe. And this one is the immoral woman. The immoral woman. Does everyone have a copy? Okay, praise God. Okay, we're going to look at the immoral woman. Um, we'll be reading a passage that will explain it uh, for those who may not quite get who she is. Uh, because in this case, she doesn't also have a name that we can, you know, tie into. But we'll be reading the Bible passage. And if we look at our book um, carefully, um, we said that you worship Jesus with reckless abandon. Worship Jesus with reckless abandon. Because when it's all said and done, your relationship with him is all that matters. Worship Jesus with reckless abandon because when it's all said and done, your relationship with him is all that matters. We'll be reading the back passage and then you see what we mean by reckless abandon, worshiping God with reckless abandon. There's an open question uh, thereafter and I just want us to go through it and uh, maybe someone can help us with that. 
And it says here, have you ever seen someone in church worshiping or looked at the way someone is serving God and thought to yourself, his, his own is too much or her own is too much? That he or she is taking it too far or has anyone ever said that to you and tell you that uh -uh, your own is too much? I'm sure some of us have this experience. Maybe you've seen somebody doing something, worshiping, being so passionate about how they worship God, about how they pray. And, um, you know, you are saying to yourself, ah, ah, isn't this too much? You know, we should exercise a bit of decorum in this thing, you know. All this throwing of hands and uh, shaking and jumping up. Ah, ah, we don't really have to do that, you know. We believe that people should be prim and proper, even when they're in the house of God, worshiping their God. Or you should be, you believe that they should, you know, just behave like a lady, you know, behave like a lady and stop jumping around. Has anyone ever had that experience where maybe somebody around you was doing that and you di- didn't quite sit well with you? Or even somebody said that about you, that your own is too much. Haba, you know, maybe I'd like someone to please share if they have experience. Praise God. I see a, Yes, I see a hand over here. Uh, do we have the mic? Okay, please keep the hand up until somebody gets to you. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we're in school, there's um, a place we call Victory Ground. It's a place we pray. And um, there's this, fellowships normally gather there. But there's this particular guy that comes there. And when he comes, everybody gets distracted. And sometimes he annoys me. He just starts singing and shouting and rolling on the floor and he, the way he would, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I really got upset. And when he comes into class, a lecturer asks a question. He doesn't know it. He will just shout, Zenende, Zenende, Zenende. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll look back and I'm like, what, what rubbish? <laughs> Praise God. It was still my early years of Christianity. And uh, now, I <laughs> Praise God. Now you let him be and let him worship the way he knows how In fact, I'm learning to copy him. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, is there any other person, any other contribution? Yes, there's someone right there. Sorry. Praise the Lord. Good evening. Hallelujah. Um, It was, I was the one that was maybe um, judged. I was in Joss, I was in school, and then this new praise leader came from Lagos. Usually we just sing house soft songs and then she was singing those very powerful Yoruba songs and you know I was dancing, I was in front. And then before I knew it, one Usher came and said, I'll have to change my seats. I said, ah, why? And somebody said, I'm distracting him. I'm like in church, I'm dist- how? I didn't answer, I continued dancing, you know, those powerful reading praises. Then the next thing they brought scarf that I have to tie scarf around my waist you know so i it disturbed me i actually left the church because i'm like wow they didn't let you worship the you way you know the way i would freedom of worship really praise okay. god <laughs> praise the lord okay thank you very much for those contributions so you see um as they say they say one man is another um, is another man's poison i will worship god i like to you know, some people like to raise their hands and just, and just wave. And somebody sits in where they say, ah, don't hit my head. 
and they are trying to move away because they are not used to that, you know. But you know what? You have to be yourself in the house of God. You have to be yourself. You cannot follow everyone's desire or preference and, and, cop, you know, and then become caged in how you worship God. That's not acceptable. Remember, recklessly, recklessly abandon, you know, reckless abandon. Worship Jesus, reckless abandon. Don't care what people say. The way it gets to you, the way you feel you can express your gratitude because there's something that drives people to worship God that way. For some people, maybe it's something they've gone through and God has seen them through. For others, it's just, you know, that drive, the love for Jesus. When you look at the way what Jesus has done for you and you look at yourself and say, I'm only here because of the grace of God. That drives you to worship. And some people may not understand this. Maybe they are lucky they have not gone through anything in their lives. Everything has been rosy for them. So it's okay for them to be mute and to just whisper, oh, I love you, Jesus, and that's it. And for others, they just want to jump up, you know. That's their way to express themselves in the house of God. So we must make sure that nobody, you know, just, you know, uh, cages you because you want to worship God. Praise the Lord. So today we are looking at the immoral woman, and we are going to read... Luke 7, 36 to 50. I'll read from the NLT version. should be on the screen. Luke chapter 7, from 36 to verse 50. Please follow along as I read. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could, pay, could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my head with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. 
The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Praise the Lord. Now that's the summary of the story of this one they call the immoral woman. Like I said, her name was not important. As far as they're concerned, she has been written off. Uh, but although the Bible doesn't really tell us what her, that sin was, you know, what made her immoral or what crime she committed that was not acceptable to the religious leaders of those days, um, she was basically, you know, considered a pariah. So I want to believe that when Jesus was invited for uh, dinner, uh, the Pharisee, uh, you know, made it like an, well, Simon, well, let me not call him, he has his name, Simon. Simon made it like an open house so anybody could come. And this woman heard that Jesus was going to be there. And she came there as well. You know, but from the way that Simon was uh, portraying her, it's like, well, she was there, but they couldn't drive her away. And the best way was to, the best thing to do was to ignore her and stay away from her. So she doesn't touch them and doesn't defile them. Because that is the way look at it. We are the clean ones. Some people are sinners. Because from the way she said, he said, this, you, you would have known that this one is a sinner. Who isn't a sinner? But he saw himself as good and of course that uh, he was perfect. So this woman uh, was the one that needed uh, cleansing. And so we see what Jesus says to her. And um, we, you know, we take the story from there. Let's go through the, some of the questions because this is a very interesting teaching today. And we are going to look at it from the angle of, okay, someone is a sinner and the other one is not. But who was Jesus impressed with? We'll see as we go on. So we'll take the first question. It says, based on the text, what do we know about this woman? Or what don't we know about her? What do we know about her? Well, she was, for sure, she was a member of that community. She was known to everybody. She was known to everybody. Okay. All right. Oh, there's some, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Good evening, everyone. Um, according to the test, the woman um, is known as a sinner. Okay, and what we don't know about her is, um, one, the kind of sin she committed, we don't know, and we don't know her name, too. Okay, we don't know her name. Thank you very much. We don't know her name. We don't even know the sin, but everybody said she's a sinner, you know. They had actually labeled her bad babe, you know, for sure. That was all they needed to know. Her name was no longer important. And because even said that her sins were many. So when the sins are so many, you don't even bother about the name again. Just label. So that's what we know. We didn't know what her sin was. But I'm sure she was not one of the best women. Probably considered what they would call a scarlet woman. So everybody needed to avoid her. Okay, thank you. We'll go on to um, vet question number two. says we should read Luke 7.39. Luke 7.39. We'll have that on the screen in a short while says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. 
Okay, so that one was, he was addressing, he was, he was talking about who there? Who was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. That's the host. The person that invited him to his house. Okay, he says, so do you know of anyone that struggles with how authentic Christ is based on their perception of how he will respond in certain situations? You know, there's some people, you know, they struggle. They say, you know, they see some things. They say, ah, I don't understand this God sometimes, you know. Do you know of any such person that is struggling with their perception? They have a way they think God should react to things. They have a way they think God should handle things. You know, these people, shouldn't God just kill them off, you know? Do you know of such people who have, they have a mindset of how they believe the judgment of God should come down or God's reaction to things should be? Yes, I see a hand at the back there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I've seen a situation whereby a Muslim guy was preaching and all that. And she, he was saying, Jesus is a, a, a criminal. That how can girls put on miniskirts and do everything at the end of the day? Say, Jesus has forgiven you your sin. That is not possible. That, that's very wrong. Okay. So that one believes that uh, God should not forgive certain people. Okay. But he, maybe he has not heard of the fact that Christ came and died for all, without exception. Okay, thank you for that contribution. Any other contribution? Yes, please. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm that person. Uh, I know there are quite some things I still get, I'm still yet to know about being a Christian and the life of a Christian. Um, when I heard about some they haven't even given my life to Jesus when I heard about how some Christian in the north uh, was dealt with by Boko Haram and uh, I heard that uh, the, the generals of faith chattering, going to the north on a chartered flight, trying to make peace and you know uh, in my opinion I, I thought that they should just gather the able body in the church, even though I'm not yet a church, an eye for an eye and I mean I felt that that's such a weak uh, I mean, why should they be, you know, and even when I answered the call to give my life to Jesus here for some time ago, not quite long, I trying to get accustomed to the Bible and I read some things. It just obvious that this is a life that I'm totally a stranger to. Uh, I'm trying to be patient and learn the, the culture of the Christian faith and and living it as well. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, thank you for being so frank because, um, and uh, that is that is how to grow. When you you know you say you, this is who I am, but I'm learning. I've just started in my Christian work because really, when you hear of certain things, the 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 human nature is to is to go for an eye for an eye. Really, you know, you have uh, somebody going to maybe. A rape, uh, say a four-year-old or a five-year-old, and they say, oh, okay, and then you say to yourself, so God is going to forgive this old man, you know, for doing that. But what does the Bible tell us? He will forgive if he asks for forgiveness, if he repents. That is who God is. But the human nature is, no, he should go for capital punishment. But our God is not like that. God is not interested in the death of a sinner. That's what the Bible says. He wants everyone to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Christ. So that is how it is. Yes, we have another contribution. Yes, Pastor Kay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Uh, I met um, someone online some time ago, and uh, we were chatting, and um, he, he had drawn a conclusion about God, and his conclusion was that God was a wicked God. And I asked further, I said, why? He said, how would God be there and say he's God and allow a five-year-old child to have cancer and die? And because he just was adamant that this God had to be a wicked God to have allowed such. Praise God. Praise God. You'd be surprised at how people feel about certain things. And it just, it would take the grace of God for them to understand that God is God. Things happen, but that doesn't change the nature of God. And until they understand that, they will keep on struggling. So it takes wisdom for you to counsel and help such people. But with time, you know, like our brother said, he said, I am growing. I'm getting there. I'm struggling. At first, I struggled. I did not understand it. But now, I am getting better. Praise the Lord. Okay, thank you very much. Um, we go to the third question. And it says that she did, meaning the woman, it says she did four specific things to the feet of Jesus. What are they? She did four specific things to the feet of Jesus. Okay, there's a hand right here in front. Please. Praise God. Hallelujah. She kissed his feet. She wet his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, and she poured the costly perfume on his perfume. feet. Praise the Lord. Okay. So those are the things that uh, she, she did. And um, a lot of emphasis there on the feet, the feet, the feet. You know, he could have poured the oil on the head and so on. But because in the culture back then, um, the feet were supposed to be the dirtiest part of the body. You know, the part that... Um, uh, you know, nobody will want to wash. You have to do it yourself. And they give it to the lowliest of person, the lowliest of the slaves or the servants to do that. And because they didn't have uh, cars, so they walked around with their, those uh, funny sandals. And as they walked, of course, it will gather dust. So anybody that will want to wash somebody's feet and then wipe it with her hair. Don't forget the, what they call the hair. They say the hair is a woman's crowning glory. And she uses, she uses her own crown, basically, her crown of glory to wipe the feet. And then she now poured perfume on it and it starts to kiss the feet, not the hand. Why didn't she kiss the hand? Why the feet? Can anyone answer that? Why the feet and not the hand? Well, I think kissing the feet, really, I mean, is, is, the, is, the, is the height of humility. Is the height of humility. When you kiss the hand, the hand is up there. But the feet, that is like the dirtiest part of the body, when you kiss that one, then you have, is it like total surrender? Total surrender and total worship of Jesus. I believe that's what the woman was doing. She had seen herself that, look, I am so down. I'm so down, my life is all messed up. And this is the only place I'm worthy to touch in this prophet. And that's what she was doing. So that's why she focused. The focus was on the feet, the feet. If you read that passage, no other part of the body was mentioned except the feet. And that's what what was saying is total surrender. I am down, I'm out. This is me. Total humility. Praise the Lord. 
Question four says, what does each represent to us and how does this challenge our worship? I mentioned four of those things, you know, wetting the feet with her hair, with her tears, wiping it with her hair, kissing it, and then pouring perfume on it. What does it represent to us? Okay, there's, there's a hand right here, please. Okay, there's a hand at the back. We'll take that and there's one in front. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. For for me, um, the tears, washing his feet with his uh, with her tears, for me I see a broken heart, genuine repentance and genuine repentance, then wiping it wiping his feet with her hair, I um I see, you know, service because Back then, Jesus could go everywhere on foot. So the feet of Jesus then would have been covered up with a lot of dirt. But she was able to, to, wipe, to wash his feet with her tears, wipe it with her hair, her glory, her crown. You know, so she was able to, to give in everything. She poured a expensive perfume on his feet. So she's generous. She's very generous and kissed his feet. That's worship, the depth of worship. That's what I see. Fantastic. Praise God. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's very good. Yes, the depth of worship, the depth of worship. When you now go down and kiss that feet. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Praise God. For me, I think for kissing the feet, like you said, is humility. She humbled herself, I mean, to kiss someone's feet. Then the tears is total surrender. She's surrendered and um, even cleaning the feet with her head, her glory. She's it's humility. She's totally broken. And then for her to have broken her oil on or the perfume, it's for us to whenever we worship God, we worship with everything, even with our substance. David said, "I won't give God what won't cost me." So we need to always give God what will cost us. I mean, if God loved us so much and sent Jesus to us, then we should also love him back by, and this is the only proof that, yes, we love God, by giving, up, giving God what will cost us something. Praise yeah. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Is there, is there a hand there? Okay. Yes, we're talking about how do we worship God? Do you worship him half and half? Do we worship him with everything you have? Do we worship him with the best thing that we have? That's what this woman did. She had her hair, I'm sure, nicely made, but she used it, you know? She was willing to serve Jesus, willing to worship with everything. She broke that perfume. You know, they had the song about the alabaster jar. Alabaster jar is a jar that contains the best perfume at any point in time. And so it was, it was an expensive worship. She gave it the best that she had. You know, because you remember the, the, one of the uh, disciples said, oh, but we could have sold this to get so much money. You know, it showed, they, knew, they knew it was expensive. It wasn't a cheap perfume. Praise the Lord. Yes. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. Good evening, church. Um, just something just uh, struck me while we're talking about this. I remember when I just um, joined the church. I mean to really worship God and I'll see people uh, just lie down on the floor with very clean clothes. I used to, to wonder about, about it actually. 
And um, after a while, sometimes when they're worshiping, um, something in me just tells me to kneel. I'm like, I kneel on this, <laughs> kneel on this place. I mean, when we, back then it was uh, TOD. You know how that floor was. And I just gave my life to Christ. Like, kneel in this place, I probably went white. I'll struggle with it a bit. And while I'm still thinking about him, probably the person next to me just goes on their knees and then I will kneel down. And then um, we fast forward, you know, it was, um, I think it was Scintilla. And then I'll have that voice that just like, I mean, sprawl out and next thing I'll just dive the floor. And while I dive the floor, by the time I'm standing up, I see that maybe like three or four people around me had already hit the floor. So what, what am I trying to say? Um, Sometimes, when, I don't think, talking about Jesus' feet, it's easy for us to just talk about feet. But if you think about it, that feet must have been, Lord forgive me, really ugly. Because you would have trekked a lot. I had, a, I had an older brother that was like a nomad that liked to trek a lot. If you see the man's feet, you would not want to kiss a feet. I mean, so, for kissing that feet, really... Um, that must have been so much, you know. So sometimes that, that is instructive to us. Your worship should really be deep when it comes to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know, when we sometimes we struggle and, um, oh, I, uh, this is a new pair of pants. I really don't want to mess it up. So I can't kneel. Even though the Spirit is telling you, kneel. But you are more conscious of what you are wearing. Is what you are wearing more expensive than your worship, than, the, than, than Jesus and what he has done? The forgiveness you have received from him, saving you, being there for you? I mean, what is that? Your, your clothes or whatever it is you are wearing and you think it's, oh, I cannot kneel with this, my fine, um, I don't know what they call the material they use for suits now. I can't kneel with this. Oh, it's going to get burnt. The only reason why that thing means something to you is because you are alive and well. If you are not, somebody else will be wearing it. You won't even know. You'll be looking for, for, for any which way to be all right first before you think about what you're wearing. Ask people who have gone through harrowing uh, medical experiences. And they tell you that they did not even remember which cloth they had. I can tell you that myself. I came and I saw something. I said, oh, okay, so this one was there. I didn't even remember, not for one second. And so we have to value our worship for God of more importance than whatever it is that we are wearing or whatever it is, wherever it is we are, um, whoever it is we are trying to impress, you know, to show them, oh, we go to the same office now and I'm very stern looking in the office. Now they are going to see me. Be vulnerable before the Lord. It's allowed. It's allowed. Be vulnerable before God. That is where you need it the most. So we need to. That's this woman, you know. People were around her. They said she was weeping. The Bible, the report says she was weeping. Didn't she know that people were around her? She knew. And she was not an unknown person. They all knew her. She did not care who was there to see her. Who was seeing her vulnerable. Who will say, ah, look at what she's doing. She using her head. She did not want. All her focus remained who? Jesus, the only person that could cleanse her. And she knew it. That's why she was, not, she was not concerned about what was going around. And that's why we need to be. When we are worshiping God, we're in that place of worship. Don't worry what your neighbor is. Who, who, who cares about a neighbor when I have Jesus right there before me? 
That's the time I can make my connection. Then I'll be worrying about neighbor. What's my business? With, did I come for neighbor's sake? No. So we need to learn. That's a good, a good thing to learn from her. Block everybody out of your mind when you are before your Lord and your master. Let every other thing pale into insignificance. It's very important. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for those contributions. Then we go on to... Um, Okay, question five, I think, yes. What brought her to tears? What brought her to tears? Do you think, yes, there's a hand right here, please. What brought her to tears? Front. Thank you. Hallelujah. I think um, when, after she had kissed Jesus' feet, he didn't send her away. I mean, like what others would do. I'm sure when she gets into a place, everybody would have to excuse her or things. But Jesus accepted her and that broke her. That totally just melted her heart. She, she, she got acceptance from Jesus. Acceptance from Jesus. Jesus did not condemn her. You know, I mean, she knew she must have heard about Jesus. She must have heard about this, this prophet coming to eat you know, in this location, coming for dinner, and she brought herself. Where every other person was um, standing like this, away from her, maybe every time she wanted to pass, people moved away so that she would not defile them because if you defile them, they had uh, to go through a process of cleansing. But Jesus did not. They said she stood right behind him at his feet, and Jesus did not shift, you know. So she, she, she felt acceptance. She felt love. She felt love, and that brought her to tears that even in that condition, Jesus still loved her. Praise God. Thank you very much. Um, question number six says, think of an occasion when you were overwhelmed, unable to speak, and found yourself weeping instead. How did that make you feel? Did it make you feel weak? Were you embarrassed? Relieved? Did you feel cleansed? Or did you feel spiritual? And someone think of such an occasion when you were overwhelmed? Yes, I see a hand right there. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I came to the church because uh, some persons gave me flyers and the rest. And uh, while I was in that day, the choir was doing a song. And it wasn't, I wasn't carried away with the melody. But with the wordings of the church, of the song, I, I don't, I couldn't explain what came into me and took me back to memory lanes. Start remembering stuff that I have done that would have claimed my life in the accordance of the words of the song, you know, that was going on. And here I am, I, you know, this God I've been hearing, and you know. This stuff of give your life to Jesus, I said to myself, I've given my life to so many things at different occasions. I look back now, all I see is mirage. You know, that day, I was weeping. And I felt that something has happened to me, which I don't know. Because if you know me, as I know myself, I'm a very hard-ended man. I give no room for emotion. But all protocols was broken. And I wept. Praise the Lord. Okay. Yes. So you felt cleansed, you know. 
You felt cleansed, not embarrassed, not weak. You feel cleansed and you feel empowered to follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yes, please. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember 1997 when I, when uh, the venerable spoke to me about Jesus. I was a Muslim before, so he opened, he talked to me about how Jesus came and uh, died for my sins. This was like, it's like I've been hearing it, but the way the man spoke to me about him that day, you know, took me to another step as a whole. So I felt like, wow, and I surrendered my life back then. That was what made me cry a lot. Even when I go home, I still open the verse. I think Matthew, so then that was what made me cry then. Praise the Lord, you know. The love of Jesus, when they tell you about Jesus and what he's done, you know, for when the heart is ready, it will yield. Praise God. Okay. Yes, I see a hand right there at the back. Thank you. Good evening, church. Good evening. I just want to talk about some real deep worship songs. There are some worship songs that, you know, you just sing. You just know it came from Holy Spirit. Those wordings just came from. And they tend to, when you look at the wordings, you look at the meanings, they, they do different things to you, well, to me. You know, they make me weak. They make me mm, relieved, you know, so they can act as songs of consolation, songs of, you know, comfort, knowing that um, that God is there for us, you know. So at different times, I, I felt different, you know, um, emotions. emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... I'm a, I'm a great lover of worship music, not necessarily praise. Yeah. Praise the Lord, yes. The words of songs, which is, which is uh, one of the benefits of projecting uh, those songs when they are being sung, so that people don't get carried away with just the melody. The words are so powerful. And this is what touches us, just like our brother said, that it wasn't even the melody. But some of those words reminded him of the life he had lived in the past and how, because of those same words now, he now found himself at the place where he needed to be, the place of cleansing. And there he was, you know, he felt broken at that point. Thank you very much for those contributions. Um, at this time, as we look at um, question number seven, she held nothing back. Jesus said it was because she was forgiven much. Do you publicly display your love and devotion to Jesus as much as you have been forgiven? Do you struggle? Should you struggle? And why do you struggle? I dare add that one. Why then? Do you struggle? Do you publicly display? Or you are the touche type? Okay, I see a hand at the back there. Yes, do you publicly display your devotion for Jesus? You know, back then when I was in school, I, I 
like a drummer. I drum for K-Guide. So this man's son was my friend. So he introduced, he told his father that there was a guy in school that is a drummer. So when the man spoke to me after all, then I, 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 when I joined the church, so I drum more, even more, even to the extent that uh, the member was like, who is this guy? Even my hand to the conga then is like, I'm not too tall then, back uh, 1997. So I committed myself more and more than when I was in when I was drumming for K guy then. So this make me to be like even struggle more and more than like Jesus I'm here. I want to, you know, the uh, gift you give to me. Let me use it for you. Amen. So that's it. Praise the Lord. Yes. That's the public display of that of your devotion to Jesus. When you use the skills and the talents that you have, you said, okay, I used to use it in one way. Now I want to use it doubly. You know, for Jesus, that's a public display. Thank you very much. Yes, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, so I work for a company that it's part of the policy that you don't discuss religion. And I understand some companies have these policies to avoid crisis or, you know, fighting. So there was a day I went for a lunch with my immediate boss. And we're just discussing something generally. And he said, well, he doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't believe in God. Well, this happened outside the country and he's a white guy. You know, at that point, I don't want to violate what the policy I've said, even though I'm a Christian. I just said it in, like, I just summarized it. Like, well, I pray God make you realize what you're talking about. I'm not denying it. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. If situation allowed me to tell you more, I wouldn't mind. So I don't deny, like, Five o'clock, sorry, I'm closing, I'm going to church today, I'm not working late and all that. I make them realize that, but sometimes the system doesn't allow you to really express yourself the way you would have loved to. I find it, I struggle with that, I don't know. Okay, I understand in a corporate organization, many of them, and for obvious reasons, they, they, do, this, they do have a policy that you cannot talk about religion. Because I think one of the things they consider... Uh, would be, where do you draw the line? On which religion? You know, it's the same corporate organization that say, we don't offer, um, like, we don't have corporate social responsibility for, for religious organizations. For example, they will not donate money to a church. Because if you donate money to a church, if Hare Krishna comes, you have to donate money to them too. So, especially, and if you don't, if you are not inclined to donate money, you'll be violating company policy. So that's where they draw the line. But then they also take it too far. Even those same corporate organizations now, you'll find uh, Christian um, prayer groups in those organizations. So they have a place where they meet. And there they can freely, they've assigned, they allocated a place to them where they meet, you know, and have uh, maybe, maybe once a week they have prayer meetings in that, uh, that, the corporate organization recognizes that. And if you can set up that kind of place, so anybody that comes there means that they want to hear about it. But they don't want you to spend the company time talking about your religion. Because anybody, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, all of them will show up and start to talk about it, about, about theirs too. So that's why they have that policy. For an organization like yours, you can ask them if they give you a, a small place 
You can all meet there as Christians. You'll be surprised that there are many Christians in that organization like you too, who love Jesus and of course would like to, um, would like to worship him, you know, in that office setting. A 30 minutes to 45 minutes lunchtime, lunch, uh, lunchtime uh, fellowship. You have that. And uh, I understand it's, it could be dicey with corporate organization, especially if you're talking to um, foreigners. Some, some white folks don't, uh, they, they ask me that uh, with your education, you're still talking about God? You believe in Jesus? How can that be? I mean, you are well-educated and so on. They think that you have it all with education. And so when you have it all, you don't need Jesus. They don't even know it's the opposite. Praise the Lord. Okay. Have I answered your question? Okay. All right. Okay. Any other question? Do we have any other issues? Any other one struggling with uh, openly, publicly displaying your devotion to Jesus? I mean, we can all say that uh, wherever we are located, whichever office, uh, where people know that we are Christians, right? Hey, Yes. Is that a yes? Everybody can say, yes, I know she's a Christian. Okay, or we hide. Okay, good evening yeah. again. All right. Uh, th- this, can, this kind of a testimony that happened... Um, Earlier this year, I worked in that kind of corporate environment you talk about. Um, we had a major shutdown, and that was there was like two hundred and fifty thousand barrels per day. The last time we had a shutdown, we had an explosion and people died. So just before this shutdown, there was a lot of concern. In fact. Um, my husband will tell you that I was pregnant and I delivered after March 31st. That was when the plant was started off. I was the project manager in charge of the shutdown. Now, why I brought this up, we had a, a man that was, that was involved in the initial one that happened 10 years ago. He was one of the survivors. He's also a Muslim. So when we were preparing for it, he kept telling us there was going to be issues, there was going to be issues, you know. Eventually, I felt that the team was, um, I felt that the team was getting worried and everything. One of the days he came into my office and said, look, um, this is not going right. We need to have a shutdown. I closed the door. I don't know where I got that. I don't know where I got that strength from. I know it was God. And I just said, Oga, the maid, sorry, Oga, we are not um, going to have any workshop. We are ready. You're scaring the boys. You're scaring the boys and the girls. He started laughing. I was supposed to be the girls. You're scaring the girls. He said, you're not, you say you're a tough woman. This, that, that. I said, well, I don't know what else to do. We have gone, we have gone through the checklist. Okay. And then he said, Bless. I said, well, we have covered the whole place with the blood of Jesus. He said, blood of Jesus. You think this one is blood of Jesus? I said, well, we have covered the whole place. He said, well, kid, at that time, he just left us and went away. But immediately, I called. The spirit just told me. I start, the project engineer is a junior pastor in this present house. 
not the lead project engineer. Now the construction person was in the portal. So I looked for key people, and then we started playing, praying every morning of that shutdown. You know. Another meeting came up. It was an expert meeting. At the end of the day, they asked us, okay, what else have we not done? I said, well, I don't know, but we have covered everywhere with the blood of Jesus. That just came out. Honestly, that just came out. But then somebody called me after and said, you know, um, that was brave. That was brave. I said, look, they are all carrying us right now. And what do you want me to do? You know, and, you know, I left it there. But one thing that happened, at the end of this shutdown, we didn't have any incident. We didn't have any, any, um, we finished it on time, on that budget, you know. And I give all the glory to God because people were expecting us to fail. Now, another key thing that happened, there were two assets we covered only one. There was UBIT and EAP. We covered only one. E, when the other one had issues, our own finished. We started up and they recognized us all the way to EAM. Um, Amen. Amen. You Amen. know, so yeah. <laughs> I, do, I will tell you that I didn't start off, but immediately I said that. We started praying every day. You yes. think we are having meetings, but we were praying. Okay. And we made uh, one thing I made sure was that the guy in I, call, I said you're going to stay there for the 21 days. He said, "Madam, no, we have to do rotation." I now called him aside. He's a uh, redeemed pastor. I now called him as I said, "Look at what's going on. We are we need to go spiritual on this." Immediately I said it. He stayed 21 days on that platform. In fact, he stayed extended until we started up. You know okay. because. Every morning we needed to pray at least ten minutes. People think we are in a meeting, but we are praying. Yes. So thank you. you. And and that's just a practical example of what we have to do where we work. Let's not be scared about the fact that we work in an environment that says, Oh, you cannot talk about Jesus. That doesn't mean that you cannot pray. Trust me, there are other people, other like minded people like you. There, in that organization, you just need to look. If I, if you just say the word, you'll see somebody who say, okay, I'm interested. And we'll join their faith with yours. But sometimes, maybe we'll just take the policy of the company and just say, oh, they don't want us to, so I'll just keep quiet. Declare who you are. And God, whose name you are using, is going to back you up. You can be sure of that. You know, just in the, as our sister has told us. Thank you very much for that example. Okay, so let's move quickly on our time. We are running out of time. Um, question eight says, this woman takes worship to a whole new and outrageous level. While feet kissing may not be on your to-do list <laughs> for the next worship experience, but what could you do privately and publicly that would be as sacrificial and meaningful as this woman's actions? What can you do you know, in your worship, private worship? Yes, I see that hand at the back. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ma, I, without your respect, I say we, it's rather to you the conclusion we are drawing, as in everything is emphasizing on the woman. What I believe is Christian life or worshiping, worshiping God, I believe is a, a life to live. 
not really a haphazard experience that have to be within a time frame and after that you move to something else. In Nigeria, we have different culture, Yoruba, Igbo, Edo. Their culture, they have a way of life. The little have getting to know and reading some places in the Old Testament, I believe we do not advertise our religion by wearing labels. We do it by living a life. When you say, what, why kissing might not be your to-do list, what's next worship experience or whatever, I, I, I mean, that could amount to coming and want to display what you don't do to your father. Privately. Mm-hmm. Privately. And, you know, that's caricature of reality. The real worship is the life we live, I believe. Right. Yes. I belong to, I, 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 I once belonged to fee uh, of profession in security as a federal agent. The few period I worked there, the passion with which I dispatch my duties, my responsibility given, you can also ascribe it if we are to bring in a contest as to worship. So now, I am now a Christian. For over 10 years, the gospel was being preached to me. I didn't just, the only religion I wanted to know was my profession. You know, even back there in Russian Mazimo prison, Moscow, some missionary came and all of that. I never, but until I came in here, when that sister was taking that song, the lyrics of that song brought back to my list people who have died from incidents have survived. And when the call came, give your life to Jesus, I, I, I didn't know where it came from. Rather than just raising my hand, I stood up and I gave my life to him. I believe it's a life I am to live, not an haphazard experience that is controlled within a, a time frame that you do this in these minutes, then we move to this. No, I believe it's a life we should live and we should be cautious about it, do it cautiously. Thank you. Thank you very much for that contribution because. Yeah, something, it's not about coming oh, to worship and then you, you kneel down because everybody else is kneeling down. When you know in your house you don't kneel down. But you are doing it here because you've seen your neighbor, somebody sitting beside you on his knees. God is not mocked. You think he doesn't see or doesn't know, you know. But that's just like you said, our lifestyle because after some time, when that worship, worshiping God, when, it, when it's in you naturally, you don't even need prompting. You don't need to do anything. It is a lifestyle. Your life itself will be a worship to God. That's why the Bible says that everything that we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. And that's what was we were created for. We we're created to worship God. So everything that we do in our workplace, we're on the road, we're talking to someone, everything should display that worship. That we, that we have for God. And it's so important to, to do that. So privately or publicly, we should be able to do that. If you don't do it privately, it will be difficult for you to do it publicly. 
And even if you are going to do it because somebody beside you is doing it, it will only last for a few seconds. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that contribution, sir. Um, verse 9, um, question 9 says, Simon the Pharisee was indignant. Do we have any means of controlling people's reaction to our worship and spiritual perfume? How should we respond? Okay, remember, Simon was the first person to say, how can that be? How can this man allow this woman to touch him? You know, praise God. Yes, someone at the back, right there. I don't think um, we can control people's reaction. So I think the best thing is to focus on God because he's where I think what I call it is um, we're presenting to a gallery of one man. So we should ignore the next person because the moment we're concerned about the next person's reaction, then uh, worship is no longer genuine. It's no, it, is, it becomes diluted. It becomes blemished. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yes, our focus should be on who we've come to worship. Focus on him. Don't worry about what another person thinks. Thank you so much for that. Okay, next question. Uh, question 10 says, his grace increased her devotion. Can you relate to that? His grace increased her devotion. His grace increased her devotion to can you relate to that? I mean, is there anything? Yes, I see a hand right at the back. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I had a very interesting journey with God that he took me through a period where I saw myself in my past. And I realized that I wouldn't have touched myself with a 10-foot pole. And just the fact that he accepted me the way I was, he didn't judge me because judging me then was... Anybody that would judge me then, I mean, my walls would come up immediately. You know, but the fact that every day in his presence, every day with him, I know that I'm not the best person to be in that place. I know that I'm not the most qualified. I know that it's not that he's lacking people, but that he chose me. You know, I, I can totally relate with that woman. Praise God. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's a real life experience where you were. God met you there. He didn't condemn you. He didn't judge you. He didn't write you off. As far as he was concerned, you were still his child. And he was just willing and waiting for you to ask him, you know, and then of course he was just ready to embrace you. Praise God. So I'm sure everybody has a story, has a past like that, where you thought, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm the, I'm the worst person in the world until you met Jesus. And he said, no, you are not. That's the whole purpose of his coming. Praise the Lord. Question 11 says, when people watch someone turn from an openly sinful life to an openly grace-filled one, they are curious or cautious or even downright cynical. In the case of Saul, Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28, we'll read that in a short while. Neither Jews nor Christians trusted his testimony. Whatever our testimony might be, how can we convince folks that we are a new creation? Can we have that Acts chapter 9, verse 26? 
Okay, it says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Praise the Lord. So basically, um, of course, uh, Paul's reputation had gone ahead of him. He was known as the chief persecutor of the church. So only for the chief persecutor to show up says, ah, I'm now one of you. Naturally, everybody was wary of him. Say, ah, this one cannot be real. And so they didn't want to have anything to do with him. In the same way, you know, if you are used to a certain lifestyle and everybody knew that way, and then, of course, you show up and you say, oh, I've started going to church. They see you carrying a Bible. They say, ah, ah, what happened here? Nobody will take you seriously. How, how can you convince them? Can anyone give a suggestion on how to convince them? Yes, Pastor Richard. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> I would say just, just live out the, the life that you have, been, you have committed to. I'll share a brief example. Um, when I started following Christ, um, one of my friends especially that was very, very close to me, uh, I, I think he, he was curious at first. So I take that curious because he was watching me, didn't say much. Uh, he would make a few um, comments like jest. And then he became cautious because um, if he wanted to say certain things, when I'm around, he wouldn't say them. There are certain things he would usually would do when I'm around him and my brother, he would say, um, because uh, Pastor Richard is, I mean, make just the pastor was a mock anyway. He wouldn't do them. And then he became cynical. And someday he told me that, you know, this is your, your lifestyle. He needs some getting used to in his words. I never forgot that. That this is your lifestyle. Needs, so, I should, so he was trying to tell me that, please pardon me sometimes when I get overboard. But this is your lifestyle. He needs some getting used to. And that was like um, two or three years after I'd given my life to Christ. And I remember myself going, getting home that day. The next morning in my quiet time, in my journaling, I wrote it down. And I just found myself on the floor just really thanking God that really it has gotten to a point where people notice that I'm not going back. Because they probably thought I was going back. So I would say just, just live out that life. Live out that life and they will be convicted in Jesus' name. And absolutely. Okay, I see two hands at the back. All right, praise the Lord. Okay, I want to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I would say um, it's a difficult situation, you know, when people know you for living a certain kind of life and you come to the realization of Christ. Um, however, you by your fruits, you know, by your lifestyle, the Bible says by the fruits you shall know, you shall know them. So the, the, the lifestyle that you now live, once you continue to live such lifestyle, people begin to see your fruits and they get the message. You don't need to force them or try to, you know, convince them that you have changed. Praise the Lord. God, so this is your lifestyle that will convince the people around you eventually. There was somebody, okay, when you finish with that, there's someone at the back, please. Praise God. Um, really, it has to um, do with our, life, our lifestyles. You know, it's, it's like a perfume that we wear. I would like um, to talk on my own parts. You know, um, 
I, I, where I live, I stay with, um, I used to stay with a whole lot of girls, you know. So we do the girls' things. We go out, you know, and I was like the, um, quote and unquote, their leader. So when I gave my life to Christ, you know, I had to let some things go. You know, I started it gradually. You know, I know that normally Fridays, you know, we can't be at home. We have to hang out. And then that, that has to be a stop. And it was so obvious to them that, you know, they, they start asking me, Joy, what's the issue now? How can you be at home? Like, okay, I have where to, to go to. You know, at, at times, because I'm used to going out, you know, at night. I'll just look for anywhere having videos. And I'll just, you know, just to try to cover up and feel, okay, fine, I'm not at home. You know, but after a while, they, they start seeing me that, you know, it's not saying we don't go to church. Sundays we go to church, but, you know, we do, the, we do all the other things and all that. You know, so after a while, they found out that I'm not, I'm not how I used to, you know, dress anymore. I'm not used to going to where we do go to anymore. And when they want to discuss certain things, they just leave the house and go outside of the house to discuss things so that I won't hear. Because anytime they say, ah, Mama Jesus is here now, she'll start saying one thing to us, you know. So our lifestyle will actually, you know, you know, spread the word, even though we don't start saying it. Then consciously, those ones too, they will know the, the right things to say to you when you are there. So our lifestyle actually um, spread the word. Praise the Lord. Yes, our lifestyle will definitely let people know that something is happening here. It's not by you telling people. You can tell them, but they'll be watching you. It's not about just telling, because talk is cheap. Yes, please. Right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, when the man was, like, preaching to me, after I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't even think about what I'm going to face at home as a Muslim. Came out from Muslim background. When I go home, I do go home once in a month for food stuff, something like that. When I go home that night, I knew the, I knew the man is going to wake me up in the morning. Okay, let's go to mosque. So when they, they, uh, they wake me up, I didn't answer the, my brother. So in the afternoon also, I didn't answer. So at night, the man called me now. What is wrong with me? I said, I'm now a Christian. You know, as a kid then, I just blast everything down. I told the man that I'm a Christian now. He said, what? And the man said I should be going back to where I'm from. I got to school. I spoke to the man, the venerable. And he said, don't worry. I'll cater for you till when you get out of this school. And the 2005, the man just called me now. Is it because even since uh, 2097 to 2005, within, there is nothing like that. So I just try to make sure that I not, I'm not a new creation and the man was like, am I joking or what? Even till now, it's like... Okay, so you, you told them what you, that's who you were now. And for them, of course, that didn't go well. So that led them to saying, well, we are not, we are not part of us anymore. Yeah, so sometimes you talk and then, of course, depending on how drastic or how serious or how um, strong the ties is with your past, it might be difficult, you know. Sometimes it could just be friends, like she said. You know, you change some things about you. You start to drop off some things. It starts to fall off, you know, gradually because you are becoming a new creation, really. And it takes a while. Sometimes it might not be so drastic as its own where there's a complete cut. But it, eventually your friends, those who you've been used to, because that's the, really the test. That's the litmus test. The people who have known you before, 
they are the ones that are able to say, truly this one has changed, you know. And it can only be from them seeing that lifestyle that they are used to seeing that is no longer there. And that's the way to, to do that. Yes. There was some... Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good evening, ma. Good evening, ma. I remembered then I, I drank a lot um, just because I had an issue. And I think the drunkenness will take away a problem from me. Um, my husband knew because when he's coming back home, he bought a lot of drinks. We sat down together. We consume it. And I go to the party. I drunk a lot to take away that sorrow of which when the drunkenness gets out of you, the sorrow comes back. Yes. It never went anywhere. Never, never. It's just there for a time. What happened to me was that um, I now think within me, said, well, before then, Christ did a lot of things in my life that make me to say, well, I have to let it go. And by his grace, I let them go. Like what she has said, it depends on the type of friends you associate yourself with. You know, when I now hands off these things, those things, my friend says, ah, Elizabeth, no, you dare not do that. Oh. You must not tell us you don't take this thing any longer. I say, ah, I don't take it. Oh. I'm a born again child of God. I don't do that any longer. You know, when we go to, when I'm invited to some place, maybe coincidentally they were there with, we are both there together. He said, oh, give her her normal drink now and give her stout. Say no, I don't take it any longer when you go for me. I don't take it. Ah, I don't take it, you know. It all depends on you. It depends on you, how you relate with people. And once you have given your life to Christ, you have given your life to Christ. And once you have hands off those things you are doing, stay away from them. Stay that's, away from them. Right. Stay clear totally from right. them. Yes. You don't have to use it to what you don't want to eat. Don't smell it. Because when you smell it, it can't entice you. That's right. So, yes. That's very important because hanging around those situations that you are trying to avoid. I mean, you, that is like walking into temptation. And sometimes you think that, oh, I'm now a born-again Christian. I'm strong enough. You know what? The devil too is strong. So, and so what does the Bible say? It says flee. It didn't say we should start and negotiate and do logic reasoning. No, 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 no. Flee. Run away from those things. Because the pull can be strong, especially if it's a lifestyle you have had before. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that contribution. Um, question number 12 says we should re read Luke 7, 50. Luke 7, uh, verse 50 says, And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
So how do we see faith leading to works? How do we see faith leading to works? How do we see faith leading to works? Did the woman have faith? Did she have faith? Yes, she did. Okay, we can see because she actually went to Jesus. Okay, leading to works. How do we do? How do we see faith leading to works? Is there a hand over there? Okay, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I'll go back to the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible said that um, she thought in her heart that if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she stretched out her hand and touched and did something. She did something. In this case, um, the woman would have thought in her heart that um, doing those things she did, going that extra mile, doing those extraordinary things would have really, really saved her, completely cleansed her. So she took that step. So she didn't only think about it. She went ahead to do it. So she thought having the faith in her heart and she did it. That's work. Yes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Yes. She knew the one that could help her, could heal her and change her situation was Jesus. She didn't just sit there. She actually went and did something. So faith without works is dead. We know that. She didn't allow that bother her. As in, they saw her as an immoral woman. You know, everything, they called her names. She didn't, I'm sure even at the gate, they must have told her, what are you coming to do here? But she, you know, ignored them. She had a mission. She went, had an encounter. She was, you know, got whatever she wanted and she came out transformed. And that, that's what I think I learned from it. Everything, the process, she had a plan and she followed through. And she was focused, she had faith and that helped her. Praise yeah. God. Praise the Lord, yes. Don't let anything deter you from coming to your Lord. Don't let anything or anyone at all deter you from doing that. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, permit me to explain it too. Um, this woman uh, was, I mean, okay. The Pharisee invited Jesus to come into his house. Uh, during those times, the Pharisees are highly placed people in society. Uh, well respected, most likely would um, they would have a very big house and the security and stuff. Question I'm asking myself here is, how did an immoral woman, most likely a sexually immoral woman, get access without restriction into a Pharisee's house? Question one. Question two. The Pharisee said in his mind. This man, if he's a real prophet, will know that this woman is an immoral woman. How did he know that she was an immoral woman? It's probably a customer. You just answered the question. Your question <laughs> two answers the first one. It yes, is, it's probably right. a customer to yeah. the woman. 
So now, the same guy that saw Jesus, that is the Pharisee, saw Jesus, realized this is the way to go, invited Jesus into his life, saw his former customer and saying, <laughs> don't be part of this. Your own sin is on a it's different a level. level. So the lesson for me here is that are there people that we are here today hanging out with and abandoning Jesus for? Those people will give us up very soon for Christ. That's right. The Pharisee took his own decision that day to follow Jesus. I think if there's anybody here today that you are not following Jesus, today is the day to take your Absolutely. own decision for Jesus. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Yes. So because that, that first question was the word. They said they call her immoral woman. I say she cannot be immoral just by herself. She had people there that were helping her in the immorality and then behaving as if they were innocent. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Pastor K, for that contribution. So that brings us to the end of our teaching. If there is, unless there's any question that we need to deal with, at this time we would like to commit and to commit, we say, Father, I thank you for saving me. Today, I commit to putting my love for you on display. Okay, it's on the screen. We can write it down at the, at the bottom of that, um, the other page. Okay, at this time, let us bow our heads and while we pray. I just want us to take a moment and think about our lives and think about our, this commitment because this is so important that we will, you know, we, we, we will not hide our love for Christ. That we will not hide our love for Christ and try to please people or make people believe we are who we are not. But at all times we'll be willing and happy to put Christ on display for everyone to see that we are children of God in all we'll do everywhere we go to. That is so important because Jesus does not reject us. He will never reject us. He's looking for us. He wants us to be part of him. And he wants us to be his own without any reservation. And he's here today. So perhaps... You've lived a life that you think that mm, there's no redemption for me. The story tells it all. A woman that was labeled as immoral was forgiven by Christ himself and asked to go in peace. If you want that peace today, this is the time that you can say, Lord, I commit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I've been running around. I've not paid your attention. But Lord, here I am before you today. This is the time for you to embrace Jesus. And if you are here and you want to do that and say, Lord, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are seated. You don't need to step forward. You don't need to do anything. Jesus, I'm here. I want to yield my life to you. I want to give my life to you. I want you to cleanse me. Just put your palms, your hands, please, if you are here. You don't need to do anything. Just raise your hand. They'll slip a card in your hand. They'll slip a card in your hand. 
is the best decision you can take to invite him into your life because he can cleanse you. And so, Father, we just bless you and we thank you, O God. We thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, because it has enriched our lives. Father, help us, O Lord, that we'll commit completely, O God, to putting our love for you on display. That there'll be no doubt at all in anyone's mind that comes across us, Father, that we belong to you. And that, Lord, make our lives, O God, a living, walking advert of your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, Lord Almighty, Father, to stand tall and to stand strong for you at all times. Thank you, Almighty Father. Honor, majesty, dominion we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in the cause of the Tazi and Dere with the Shandere.